Hello and welcome back to another episode of Three Point Play. I am joined today by a Miami Heat fan, my our, our good friend Kaladi. You want to say hi? Oh, what's up? What's up, everyone? Yeah, so uh, game five in Miami, Boston comes in, takes game five, a commanding 3-2 lead. Everyone knows the stat about uh, teams who win game five in a 2-2 series when end up winning the series like 83% of the time. So it's a pretty significant game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw I saw a stat today where um, if the Heat won today, they would have had a sixty percent chance of winning the series. Well, if they lost today, they'd, they'd only have an eighteen percent of chance of winning the series. So the the odds are stacked against them, but we'll see. Yeah. So my thoughts on this game uh, was I think Boston played really poor. Actually, uh, they had. They, they allowed nine offensive rebounds in the first half. They had 10 turnovers in the first half, and they missed on – I couldn't even count the number of wide-open looks that they just absolutely bricked. And even yeah. with that, their defense held them up in this game and had them only down by five. And then in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, I think their pure offensive talent just broke open the game. Their shot creation by players like Jalen Brown, even though he had another poor game, I think his uh, facilitation was great. He had nine assists today. So you can see that even though his shots weren't falling, he was still facilitating the ball really well, getting the offense fluent. So I think that's just the pure offensive talent on the Celtics. And the reason I think they are the best team in the league right now, I think like talent wise, that just overwhelmed the heat and pushed them over the edge for the win. Yeah. I think the heat are also missing uh, Tyler hero because he's, he's 20 points off the bench, 20 points per game. And he's honestly probably the purest score on the team itself. I think they're missing him a lot because he provides instant offense off the bench. And that's why Miami keeps getting to slow starts because they started the game off like 0 for 6, 1 for 7 today. And it just just screws with them. And they they really don't get into rhythm until way later into the game. And by the time that happens, the Celtics are usually up big and they have no chance of coming back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Tyler Hero is definitely instant offense. Everyone knows that big game he had in the bubble against the Celtics, or like game game five or game six, whatever that was, thirty seven. But uh, my only thing with Tyler Hero is that game against Celtics in the bubble that everyone loves to bring up. That was against Kemba Walker and Brad Wanamaker when the Celtics were playing drop coverage and he abused them. This this That's Celtics true. this Celtics team is a lot bigger. They switch everything. Even though I think they should be switching, they're actually playing a lot more drop coverage, which I guess how Hero would take advantage of, like, currently. But I think he wasn't doing that much in the first couple of games, which he was playing. He's missed the last two games now, but he wasn't producing that well. We can look up the stats later. But he wasn't creating that much of his own shot anyways. Yeah. I think also Bam is being very, really in- super inconsistent because, like, He's he's a max player and he can't. He's, he was putting up like six points per game throughout the playoffs. And the one game he was aggressive, Rob Williams was out, and the Miami won in Boston. So I think there hasn't been a game where both him and Jimmy play well. And like Jimmy's another thing because like after he got hurt, Jimmy's been playing terribly. Like he's he's not averaging what he's been averaging in the playoffs. I think he dropped like he was like minus twenty five today. He dropped like ten points. And it just won't cut it against the Celtics because Miami's half-court offense is too weak. So they need that instant score. 
And if Jimmy's not uh, playing well and Tyler Hero's not there, they don't really have anyone that can score consistently. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think another big thing is just the Celtics are just super long, you know, defensively yeah. everywhere. They're just, I, I don't know if you watched, but uh, Rob Williams had like four blocks today, like in the corner where he's just contesting in the corner and he just tips the ball. And I think for a team that today shot seven of 45 from three, 15%. And I think in the regular season, they were like the, what, the highest, the, the most efficient three point shooting team in the whole league. Then uh, the Celtics, length taking away that three-point comfort like be, taking away the comfort behind the three-point line for, for Miami is really what's doing it for them yeah there's a recipe for disaster for Miami especially they're losing scoring from Vincent and Struess and like we have Duncan Robinson who's playing nine he's getting paid 90 million a year and he's not even playing and the very little playing time he gets he isn't playing well so Miami just is struggling on offense and they, they're really struggling to score itself because they only scored 80 points and that's just not going to cut it. Yeah, I was really surprised by Victor Oladipo only playing 15 minutes today after his amazing performance in game four. You know, he was like yeah. the only bright spot. And then even in game three, he was giving Jalen Brown absolute fits. When he was, game three, Jalen Brown was cooking. I think he had like what, 43 points, something like that. But mm-hmm. he, every time I feel like it was an isolation play between uh, Depot and Jalen Brown. Depot was just stripping him. And then last game, he provided more offense than the whole starters combined. So I think him only playing 15 minutes today, and it wasn't even foul trouble. He had zero fouls. So I was just surprised by that decision from Coach Spolstra. Honestly, I think they're they're probably saving him for game six because you know his history, right? He's had made like two major injuries in his career. He's only getting back to his, his old level. So I, Bolstra probably saw that they were down big in the third quarter and then they didn't play him again because they knew they were probably going to lose. So I think Spolstra is playing all his cards for game six, hoping that someone can step up and take that game in Boston. Because they have already won in Boston, so that's not a big hurdle. And this Miami team, I don't think they'll go down without a fight. Because they were, they were down 3-1 in the bubble against the Lakers in the final, and they came back to win that game, the game five. So they're, they're used to elimination games, so we'll see. But that game six in Boston will be really important. I think Jimmy Jimmy needs to get off to a good start. And, like, he as a team can't be shooting, like, 0 of 8, 0 of 9 to start the game off again. They, they need to get into good rhythm real off, real off, right off the bat in the first quarter. I mean, here's where I'm, I'm going to disagree with you is that I think Miami understands the importance of every game. They knew game two, how important that was. They knew game four, how important these games were. And they got their ass kicked, you know. They got blown out by 30, 40 points. So I don't, I don't think that he was saving deep or anything. They, it was a one-point game with two minutes to go in the third quarter. And then the Celtics went on a 22-4 to four run or a 24-2 to two run, something like that. But it was a one-point game with two minutes to go in the third quarter of this game. So for so like three fourths of this game, it was neck and neck, you know. I think the Celtics in the third quarter, they they took a little bit of a lead, six points, but then the Heat cut it back down to one. So I just think, I just think Miami is outmanned. They are playing hurt. Obviously, Kyle Lowry's not one hundred percent. Jimmy Butler's not one hundred percent. One hundred percent, yeah. Depot's not one hundred percent. Duncan Robinson is inconsistent right now. Uh, I guess PJ Tucker. And Bam are their only healthy players. And then Bam out of bio shits his pants every time Rob Williams in the paint. So mm-hmm. 
the only guy who's yeah. giving them the like full energy every night is like is like Caleb Martin and PJ Tucker, you know? Yeah. So, so I just think Miami is out man, they're out talented. So I, I my prediction before the series was Boston in six. I still see Boston winning the series in six. If Miami pushes to a game seven, it's not something I just don't see happening. It's just uh, I think that Ime Odoka is going to clean up these things, right? I don't think Miami is going to get 10 turnovers from the Celtics again in the first half or nine offensive rebounds in the first half or yeah. this this poor shooting from, from the Celtics who are a great half-court shooting team in the, play, in the playoffs. That was like the one main concern. That was like the one thing stopping the Celtics from making like a deep playoff push was everyone was concerning their half-court three-point ability. But they've shown that with players like Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Al Horford stepping up and being able to shoot 40, 50% from three in the half court is really giving them an advantage and just providing spacing, which just makes their team just more lethal. Yeah, definitely. A lot of these playoffs too have shown like the three point shooting has a lot of variance. That's why there's a lot of blowouts because usually what's happening is um, one team gets off the hot start from three and the other team can't match it. Because we haven't seen any like great shootouts in in this this year's version of the playoffs, and like I, I also read a stat where it's like there's only been 17 minutes of clutch um, clutch time in in this year's playoffs, which is a season low compared to 2017. Yeah, that's so I agree. It's, there's a lot of lot of variance in the three point shooting, so that's why we see all these blowouts. But I don't know. I don't know if Miami has the firepower to keep up, but you never know. A player can catch on fire and change the way the game is uh, played and yeah. force adjustments for game six. Because, like, if it goes to game seven, it's really anyone's game, I think. Yeah. The game sevens are usually a grind fest. So, honestly, I think the first quarter of game six will probably decide the game itself on who, who wins. And it's been a trend with, like, all from game one to game three – or game one to game four. Uh, and um, – I think the, today's game is the first uh, time where it was close up until the third quarter or up until the fourth quarter. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but where does Miami go from here? If assuming they lose this series, uh, which is most likely to happen, what's their offseason plan? They're going to bring back Feature Tucker. They signed him to, to a two year deal. He's what, 37 years old. Jimmy Butler pushing yeah. 31, 32. Kyle Lowry pushing that age. They saw him this year with injuries. And and Max Strews ending his contract, I'm sure he's going to want a lot of money after his great contract season. Uh, Bams, Bams uh, is he entering his max this year, next year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then that, so, so, so their cap space is taken up. So there's not a lot no, of – actually, actually, no, they have space for a max contract too. They still have a lot of cap space. So does Bam not enter his max until next year? They had two spots. Max, Bam was signed to a max, and they have another max now too. That's opened up. Because they traded away all their negative assets in 20, I want to say it was 2019. So that's why 2020, they had two max slots after the finals. And they signed BAM to an extension that year mm-hmm. after the finals. So now they still have one more max spot. So they just need, Miami just needs to pick up a star. But unfortunately, there aren't any good free agents this year. Because I think the top free agent is James Harden. And we know that he's he's regressed. So, I'm, I'm not absolutely sure about Miami's cap situation. Jimmy's making the max. Bam's making the max. Uh, Kyle Lowry's making 
damn near a max. I don't think they have space to bring in a max this offseason. I'm pretty sure they'd have to trade someone. Uh, like, I'm sure they can do a sign and trade with Duncan Robinson, Tucker, some other money, and a pick. And they can go. Yeah, we'll probably, yeah, no, we'll probably get rid of Duncan Robinson. His, his asset, his contract's a negative contract. He's very overvalued. Because, like, we see, like, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess already covering for him. Max Struess plays better defense and is, is as good of a shooter as uh, Duncan Robinson, too. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and, um, it doesn't even have to be a max player because uh, we have players like Omar Yurtseven and and Spo always uh, get maximizes the talent he gets from the G Lakers. Yeah, they are they are, if not the best, one of the best at developing uh, their like undrafted players or second round players uh, in the G League and then bringing them into the bringing them yeah, into the no. NBA. So it's I mean, almost unheard of to have two undrafted players starting for your starting the Eastern Conference Finals, which is already as itself a great achievement. And having two undrafted players is even crazier. Yeah. I, I mean, even if I Miami never wins a championship with their current roster, I still think the whole Jimmy experiment and the whole Jimmy-based team was still a good experience because I think I think there's value in being good and there's there's value in consistently making deep playoff runs and that's what Miami's been, been able to do they eliminated Philly which I think was a huge thing for Jimmy mm-hmm. uh, they made that finals run in the bubble so there's value in being good I, it's, not, it's not definitely not a failure yeah yeah but I just I don't know if I see their current roster construction as being the way to win the championship mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Most of these questions are going to be answered in the off season too. Yeah. We'll see where they go from here. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, like this this roster is good enough to win a championship. It's just this injury bug is like completely messed up the team chemistry, messed up the team's rotations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this team would look completely different if Kyle Lowry was healthy. Yep, I agree. I think Bam. I think Bam would get a lot more looks. I mean, I remember watching that Celtics Raptors series in the bubble, and I saw Kyle Lowry's worth. You know, Celtics. The Celtics were like in 0.5 seconds away from going up 3-0, and the Raptors pushed mm-hmm. it to seven. You know, Kyle Lowry made some big shots. He attacked Kemba Walker in the pick and roll. Yeah, he got he got a lot of clutch assists, clutch buckets. So Kyle Lowry definitely, I think, would help Bam and help him not struggle against Robert Williams. Yeah, no, Bam, Bam plays the best when Kyle Lowry is playing alongside him. Like, it's statistically there this season. Yeah. It's just, I don't know why Bam is, like, very hesitant on attacking the paint and taking the mid-range. Because he is really good. He has a good mid-range percentage. Mm-hmm. Except he just he completely ignores it at times and plays really passive. Because, like, he, he's just very inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the Golden State-Dallas series? I think Golden State should win pretty easily tomorrow because I honestly, my crackhead theory is that they they just lose their elimination games on the road on purpose or the closeout games on the road on purpose because they want that extra chase revenue because they're so deep in the luxury tax already, right? They need to get some of that money back because like one thing I noticed in yesterday's game, Steve Kerr elected to play both Kuminga and Moody for like 10 minutes in the second quarter, which is already weird playing two rookies and they'd never played together uh, 
on the court itself. So I thought that was interesting. I thought he actually threw it. Well, I mean, if you if you look at the team that brought them back, because I mean they're down with twenty something, and then they push it to an eight point mm-hmm. game, right? The, I think what Steve Kerr was doing is playing the playing the players who are trying, you know, he's playing the players who are giving, giving it their best effort. I mean, it's no, it, it's no secret that like, uh, that like the, the NBA makes more revenue with more games and the Warriors yeah, make more exactly. revenue with these things. Yeah. So when, when they're up the real, bringing a game five home and closing out at home is definitely a great thing, but I don't know. I, I like this Dallas team so much. I think this Dallas team is really good. I think, I think they can so easily catch on fire and, take games i think if they take game five game six is at home momentum and go into game seven anything happens game seven we saw that in the phoenix series game seven if it comes to game seven anything can happen game seven there's everything like prior is just thrown out the window so yeah i don't know i i think i didn't play with fire i really really like this dallas team they got they got extremely uh they got extremely hot shooters, Davis Bertan, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Jalen Brunson, Dorian Faye Smith, Reggie Bullock. They got they got guys who can make three, four threes every night. And then there's and then there's Luca doing this heliocentric basketball, right? I mean, there's a lot of people comparing this this run that Luca's having to to the uh, LeBron run in what was it like 05, I think, when he brought 07. 07, sorry. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about where they where they brought him where like young player fourth year uh, heliocentric type of offense is pretty much carrying a team to the conference. Well, he made all the to the finals, I believe, right? No, they they went to the finals. Yeah, so yeah. they LeBron beat the Pistons. They were they were the first seed, I think. Yeah, uh, or the best team uh, in the conference finals, and then they got swept by the Spurs in 07 for uh, Tim Duncan's fourth championship. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. If you if you ask me to pick any player in the league, uh, I'd probably go Giannis one, Luka two. Uh, so, I mean, I like this Dallas team a lot. I think, I really think they can. I think they can win any series against any team. They are. I'm. I'm not saying they're the best team in the league. I just think they have enough firepower to catch fire. Their best four games can beat any team in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I I, I can see that, but. Yesterday in yesterday's game, they were shooting damn near 50, 55% from three, and I don't think they can repeat that. That's just not sustainable. And they were at home too, so they're very streaky. And we all know that role players can't really hit threes on the road, or it's very rare for them to catch fire on the road itself. Yeah, I mean, so, all this is true. Variance argument. I mean, yeah, all this is true, but I think. I think it's like it's a one game at a time basis. They got to just focus on game five right now and they got to take, I mean, they're up big in game two. They really just, I think they were just showing how young they are and how they let the Warriors come back in game two in that, in the second half. I mean, I think the Grizzlies did that a lot uh, when they showed how young they are and they let, let the Warriors come back in the third or fourth quarter. They did, they did that a lot in the uh, Grizzlies series. Uh, so I just, I don't know. I, I mean, the Mavericks can easily go into Golden State tomorrow and get, get their ass whooped by thirty and the series be over. And, and I look stupid, but I just, I don't know. I got a feeling about about Luca, about Dallas, this team. Uh, I got, I got a good feeling about them. I think they can do some damage this year, next year, and the years to come. Yeah. No, they're they're they'll be a good team. I think Luca just needs another star because 
he's dropping. He was dropping what forty, forty and like ten, and they were still losing big. Mm-hmm. So he he just needs like a supplementary star. Maybe maybe Rudy Gobert over the off season. No, Trade him. There's no way they trade for Rudy Gobert after they went after they went right at him in the first uh, in the first round. It's it's like, it's like the same thing with the Clippers, right? There's things that people are like, oh, the Clippers need a center, go trade for Rudy Gobert. When the Clippers are the ones that like. Yeah. Quote unquote expose Rudy Gobert last year in, in the, in the second, third round of the playoffs, you know? Or was it the second round? Sorry. See, the issue is with the Jazz, at least, is Rudy Gobert is literally their defense. Their perimeter defense is terrible. Yeah. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is a negative defender. And, like, they literally don't have any defense. Like, Conley is an above average defender, but it doesn't mean anything. I mean, I don't think so anymore. I think Conley's – I think he wasn't about average defender. I think he's lost his step. I think Royce O'Neal is yeah. the only one who gives a fuck on the on the defensive end, you know, on the perimeter. No one else is even trying. No one – like, I remember in the Dallas series, Maxi Kleber had, like, wide open shots. Like, he had, like, eight threes in a game, and they just weren't even closing out on him, you know? This is no, Donovan Mitchell was playing terrible, too. It was, it was not a good series for him. Yeah, I, I see them blowing it up this offseason for sure. Either, yeah, no. either Dono or Gobert or both or, you know, yeah. I think I think there's no way you can bring that team back the way that it's constructed currently. I think same same with Phoenix, right? I, I don't think Aiton's going to be on the Suns next year either. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. He, the, their coaches, they don't, he doesn't have a real good relationship with Monty anymore because we saw it was, uh, it was um, some in, interior decision. To not play him in the fourth, or he didn't. I don't. I don't think he wanted to play in the fourth when they lost the Mavs itself. So I'm, I'm assuming they'll sign and trade him somewhere, or try to get some value back for him. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, know. the Suns are a small organization. I don't think they're going to just lose him in restricted free agency for nothing. I think it'll be a sign and trade at worst, a sign and trade. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know I don't see him coming back either. I mean, I feel like he's kind of the scapegoat, I guess, kind of for this. For, for that yeah, for that no, Dallas definitely. series, yeah. you know, everyone's saying like, oh, he's a seven-footer, the first overall pick against a team going small ball. He should dominate. And he's just mm-hmm. not – I mean, he's not doing that. And there's that one play kind of like the Ben Simmons where he had a wide-open dunk and he turned the wrong way, you know? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so I just – I don't think he'll come back either. I don't know. I, I think Chris Paul – I don't know. I just – I was never a fan of Chris Paul's, like, play style. Yeah, I don't, I don't like Chris Paul either. I appreciate like, like 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 I can appreciate a great point guard, but I just don't like his play style. I I get that he's smart and he did, he's pesky. He does all the little things, but it's, I feel like he's doing too much sometimes. So I, I don't know Definitely. how I don't know how the Suns team comes back. I think they're gonna build around uh, D Book and Mikael Bridges. Yeah, those wings uh, with Mikael. Yeah, Br- they're they're coming up for their extensions too soon. So if. DeAndre Ayton gets the max. They, I don't think they can keep both Bridges and Cam Johnson either. Oh, yeah, and Cam Johnson, yeah. They, they're, they're playing well with JaVale, so I think as long as they get an average big, they should be fine. But, like, I don't think they can trust Chris Paul in the playoffs. Like, he's shown time and time again he's choked. Like, he's, he's lost so many 2-0 leads. He's, he's just not built for the playoffs his entire career i mean if you like depend on refereeing on, on you as your way to win the game it's not what's going to win you playoff games the, the exactly, refs yeah. in, the, in, the, in the playoffs the refs are a lot more i don't want to say lenient because they still like make calls or whatever but they're not gonna 
they're not going to decide the game by their whistle. They're going to they're gonna let the players decide the game. And so I, I don't think Chris Paul's play style, I agree with you, I don't think his play style is going to win. And I think the whole down to end thing brings up another uh, conversation that if you don't have a top three center in the league, is it even worth paying a center? Yeah, definitely. Especially because the league is moving towards the small ball uh, lineups. And like, I think if you, if you need to be a big in today's NBA, I think you need to have three ball and like Aiden does not have that or he has it, but he doesn't choose to take it in games. Well, you need to be able to spread the floor. Well, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that exactly. I mean, that sentiment is obviously like somewhat true with players like Maxi Cleaver and you see guys being able to stretch the floor, but I feel like you don't need a crazy talented center. You just need someone who's athletic, who can block shots and then be a vertical threat on the offense. And that's more than good enough. I think Rob Williams is a perfect example, right? Of a guy. I mean, he's yeah. in a lot, he's in a lot of money because he's playing great. All defense second team just kind of announced. But uh, if it, if you don't have a top three center in the league, I don't, I, I, I really don't think it's worth paying, paying a center. They're very like replaceable. Like you said, JaVale McGee, lob threat, seven footer plays in the paint. He does, he does exactly what he needs to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really not worth it to pay a center if, if he's not going to be a Jokic or Embiid type. Mm-hmm. That's true. Or uh, I think Bam. I think or, I think Bam. Yeah, is, Bam's a good example. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, Bam's Bam's he makes a max and and he limits you kind of offensively. You know, he takes up thirty million dollars of your salary cap and then doesn't stretch the floor that much. He's a, he's a good mid range shooter, but. I would like him to be more aggressive, you know, especially against players like Al Horford, like Giannis. I feel like Bam is as athletic as Giannis, or if not more. Athletic. Oh yeah, no, definitely. He he short sells himself on the offense. I think a lot. Giannis, He's a lot more capable. Yeah, Giannis was just going by Al Horford. He wasn't like he wasn't powering. He was literally just stepping around him. I think Bam could yeah. do the exact same thing, you know, but but mm-hmm. but he's not so. I think Bam kind of puts you in a tough situation. Same thing with the Andre Eden. I don't, that's why the Suns aren't going to bring you back because he's not really worth paying $30 million a year. Yeah. DeAndre, and yeah, his, his work ethic was also questionable coming into the league too. It seemed to be like fixed uh, when they went to the finals last year. Everyone forgot about it, but I think this year it showed itself again because his, his game is too one-dimensional, I feel like. It's very predictable. That's why he gets played off the floor against the Warriors. Draymond knows his moves. And, like, mm-hmm. they don't – they could have abused the Mavs in the inside because uh, the Mavs have terrible interior defense. That's why the Warriors are able to get out so many points yeah. uh, in the paint itself. And, like, DeAndre Ayton has the ability to score in the paint, but he just refuses not to. So, I, I, I don't know what's wrong with it. Also, I think with the Suns, at least, Monty Williams is terrible at making adjustments later into the series. I mean, we see with, like, the Buck series even last year, um, th- they they won the first two games and then lost four straight because the Suns just don't uh, refuse. They they don't make adjustments. Yeah. And, yeah. like, uh, against a player like Luka in the last series itself, Luka's seen every single type of defense. You can't keep using the same type of defense on him. They'll start abusing it. And that's exactly what happened in Game 7. And that's why the Warriors are smart because they switch up the defense every couple yeah. possessions. I was about to bring that up. Yeah, the, Warrior, yeah, the Warriors are changing it. They're making it 
to make it not easy on Luca. Boxer one, zone man. Zone, just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's they're they're throwing so many different looks at him that it's not easy for him just to pick it apart because he he doesn't know what's what's coming at him every single time down the court. You know. Yeah. And Draymond on the Warriors defense is essentially like a free safety in football. He's like all over the place. Mm-hmm. He can go to help. He can protect the paint. Very versatile defender. Yeah. Uh, one thing on the Warriors though. I would really love to see Jordan Poole try more on the defensive end. You know, he's getting mm-hmm. yeah, he's, no, definitely. He's getting bodied by like Jalen Brunson. And obviously Jalen Brunson's not a strong guy. He's he's a good offensive player, but I'd like to see he's a he's a good three, four inch taller than Jalen Brunson. I'd like to see him at least put up a fight, you know, on those drives. I know Jalen Brunson does those checking wings and all that stuff and some things that, that don't get called, but I'd like to see him just switch more, you know, be more aggressive on switches. Just, I mean, he has the, obviously the athletic capabilities to be a good defender. He just, he's just not, you know, even Curry and like, he's always had this reputation of not being a great defender, but in those, in those prime warriors days, he was averaging like, like a lot of steals, you know, he was like leading the league in steals. He was pickpocketing. He was using his athleticism as a way to play defense. Yeah, no, even in this series, Luca's trying to go on him one-on-one, and he's holding his ground. So, like, they, they tried to target Curry in the first couple of games, and he isn't giving any ground. He's doing a really good job of defending. Even in game, I want to say game three, I think, Jan Brunson tried to go at him, and he came up with a clutch steal that led to, like, a Wiggins dunk. Mm-hmm. So, Curry, Curry's become a plus defender this series, or this season itself. I think that's also part of the reason for a slump this season, because I think he's exerting more effort on the defensive end. So a lot of his shooting is like, a lot of his shots are falling short. So I think he's just a bit more tired than normal, but we're, I think we're seeing him adjust now in the, in the recent games where he's able to shoot well, as well as defend well. So that's kind of scary for the league. He's still improving at 34. Yeah. So, I mean, I this, this Warriors team is built for the long run, you know, they're shoot. I mean, they're built around. Oh yeah. <laughs> the ball shooting and just running around screens and just never stop running. I mean, it's it's a, honestly it's a nightmare to defend. And I yeah. mean, this is a little premature, but looking at if Boston plays Golden State in the in the finals, even though Boston's had I don't know I saw the stat that after if you like disregard the first month of the season, Boston's had like the best defense of all time. You know, they've had literally like the best defense of all time in the in, the, in like a defensive rating wise. Uh, but I don't know how they would guard the Warriors. Even like, even though it's like this is maybe the best teams of all time, they're built upon their physicality and making it tough. We saw things with Giannis. We saw things with KD. We're seeing things now with Jimmy, how they're physical. They're roughing these players up and they're and they're fouling, but they're they're like they're making sure that's not easy, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. So, but that, but that's but that's not gonna work against the Warriors because they're not because the, if you just like hold them, the Warriors are gonna run and then it's a foul. So you can't just rough up the Warriors because they're just gonna run away from you and they're gonna run around screens and they're gonna do their offense. So mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's really dangerous. Yeah, and Steve Kerr is a very very good coach. He's seen every single type of defensive coverage. He'll scheme something up too. Like we <laughs> saw against that historic Toronto defense, Steph Curry was. Steph Curry dropped almost 50 against the box and one. So he's not no, they're not no strangers to uh, historic defenses as well. So it'll be a good series if it's the Celtics and Warriors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think we're just looking forward to game six in two days and game five tomorrow for the Warriors and Mavericks. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Should be fun to watch. Anything else you want to add for uh, today's conversation? 
I think uh, we should just grab some popcorn, just watch the games and enjoy it. Whatever happens, happens. I agree with that. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening for another episode of Three Point Play, and we hope to catch you next time.